Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Yes. Um, Rebecca, I love when you uh, give us those, uh, you do so much more than welcome us. You really make us feel at home. Where'd you go? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I would, um, I'd really like for you to teach some Sunday. Just gonna ask you in front of everybody so you can't say no. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, we've had a couple of things going on that I just wanted to uh, just press pause before we go too much further and say thank you. Uh, lunch last week, it was so good to hang out, um, eat some good food and hang out with even better people. Uh, Suzanne and Ale played a big part in that kind of coming together. So I just wanted to say thank you um, for what you did there. Yes. What's oh yes okay and Elsie for for birthing Ale and um, yeah all that you did to make that happen yeah yeah um, and then I don't know if you had uh, if you took time with that that Psalm one passage uh, last week we gave out a card that looked similar to this and I wanted to say thank you to Jan for writing those reflection questions we have a different um, opportunity this week and so I'll, I'll pass some more of these out in just a moment um, but I hope you'll you'll take advantage of those times to press pause during your week and to climb a tree um, I will uh, throw out this question and I'd like for you to just kind of turn and, and talk to a couple of people as I set some things up here if you could be any height how tall would you like to be if you could be any height, how tall would you like to be? And if you don't want to put an actual number to that, just say, I'd like to be a little taller, a little shorter, something like that. All right. Next week, we're going to say what weight. No, I'm just kidding. We're just going to, what height would you like to be? Go ahead and, and talk to people around you. All right. What you got to say to that? If you could be any height. Okay, we'll start with those of you who are so content that you like the height that you are. How many of you said that? Yeah, thank you for being an example to all of us who are never satisfied. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, anybody want to be shorter? Really? A couple of you want to be shorter, okay. Jack, did you raise your hand? No, uh -uh, no, okay. He likes being taller than his dad, all right. And uh, I mean, most of us, it, Probably would like to be a little bit taller. Why not? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have an exact uh, height in mind. I remember growing up, my dad was like six, five and a half and I made it to six, five and I was so disappointed. <laughs> I just wanted to be just a little bit, a little bit taller. Um, to, uh, to tie this in with last week and the story we're going to look at today, uh, we were looking at a story in Luke 19 about a man named Zacchaeus who was vertically challenged, I think is the politically correct way to say it. Um, at some point along the line, his growth was stunted. We don't know how short he was. We just know that he was labeled as short and had to uh, do some things to compensate for his lack of height. Um, I confessed something last week that might sound strange without context, and that is that climbing trees has changed the way that I look at life. And what I meant by that is climbing a tree, um, in other words, uh, setting aside opportunities to connect with God has changed the way that I look at myself, the way I look at the world around me, and the way that I, I look at God himself. And um, 
Zacchaeus's perspective was changed. He climbed a tree. He was a man that um, had this desire to hear, and uh, he had heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see him for himself. And as a result, he climbed a tree, literally climbed a sycamore tree, and he saw Jesus for the first time. And this made a profound impact on his life. He had a, a radical change of perspective. It changed the way that he saw himself and uh, the way that he had been living his life. But it gave him a sense of hope. And we're going to talk some more about that today. It also changed the way that he thought of God. When he saw Jesus, he found a God who was welcoming and inviting to him. And so um, I just uh, I think that 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 sense of hope was is such a, a, a key theme in this Luke 19 passage. Um, by God's grace, uh, sometimes there will be moments with uh, just uh, in the early moments of, of the morning. But what, uh, what I need that time for is I need to see what God sees. I need to see the reality of the world around me as God sees it. Um, I sometimes can forget how beautiful and good this earth was intended to be, how it was created beautiful and good. And there is a God who is actively working to redeem that. Um, Jesus talked about a kingdom and making a kingdom, that beautiful and good kingdom, made known here on earth. And that's what he's inviting us into. Um, so maybe you climbed a tree by looking at that Psalm 1 passage. If you weren't here last week and you didn't get that, um, that brief uh, scripture passage and reflection, we do have some left over. You can get that one in addition to the one that we have for this week. Um, but uh, let's, let's pause and let's read this passage from Zacchaeus' life again. And before we do, I just want to say a quick prayer. All right. Thank you, God, for turning your ear to us. Thank you that you are a God who notices us and all of the big things that are going on in this world. Um, you know us and you call us each by name. Uh, may we hear our name called out in this passage. Help us to enter in in a way that this story changes us and makes us more like you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, begins in verse 1, Luke 19. He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And that, wouldn't that be kind of nice to be, you know, whatever your profession is, and rich? That would, yeah, that's, anyway, for him, it was not necessarily a good thing because he made his living deceiving and, and cheating other people. So he was wealthy at the expense of others. Uh, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on, the, on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
I want to add a little bit of context to this story. I think it will really, um, there's a couple of things that will really pop with this. It begins by saying, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Does anybody want to take a guess at what city Jesus was passing through to? If that's a, even a, a healthy way to say it. If we have any grammarians in the room, forgive me. Where was Jesus headed to? What city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. And on this particular trip to Jerusalem, do you know what he was about to encounter? Think towards the end of his life. He was about to encounter the cross. So let this, don't, don't think that this is just a small coincidence. I want you to kind of see what has taken place here, just with the timing of these things. Jesus is marching toward his final days and hours on this earth. And he stops and asks to share a meal with an outsider. He's got the weight of the world on him. And yet with all of that, his calling to be the savior of the world and knowing what is going to take place in Jerusalem, he takes time and he notices and he sees Zacchaeus. I can sometimes, um, I, I can get lost in just the grandeur of, of all that the world is and all that's going on, um, but it never ceases to amaze me and leave me at least a little awestruck that in all of that, God still sees me and calls me by name. And I want you to know that that's the same for you. He sees you, he notices you, and he calls you by name, and he doesn't have anything that is too important to stop and to be with you. So I just think this is an amazing, amazing, uh, just the timing of this adds so much. Uh, so why would Jesus spend time with an outsider? And he he answers this question, although nobody was officially asking it. He says, I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to seek and to save the short, those who are wayward, those who are struggling. Zacchaeus is why I'm here. That's kind of what he was saying. So um, I want us to think that uh, climbing a tree is kind of a it's a way of receiving the attention of Jesus. It's a way for him to notice us. Now, I talked about um, this Kind of last week I mentioned that there are two guiding principles in my life. I want to climb a tree to catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus, and I want to be a tree so that others can see Jesus through me. And we're going to talk um, about both of those pretty equally today. But what I'm talking about when I say catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus, um, it is seeing the way Jesus lived his life here on this earth. He made the heavenly kingdom known here on earth in the way that he lived. Um, Climbing a tree is a habit of exercising that can form our hearts toward God. And the result of these practices and habits is that we have a deep sense that we live in a God-permeated world sustained by a loving God. It changes our perspective to where we see, literally, God-saturated people and things around us. And we are reminded of the Creator. And all of this is sustained by him. Paul in Colossians says all things were, were created by him and for him. These are some things that we notice when we climb a tree. And our deeper awareness of God opens us to being pierced by his sacredness made evident in created things. In other words, when we, when we pause and reflect on this, on how God is doing a sacred work around us, it's, it's an opportunity for him to pierce us and for that sacredness to seep into us and for us to remember that he is working all of this, but he's also working in us. Now, I want you to think about, uh, the, the, there's a couple of different ways that we sometimes will read scripture. We will 
read anything, um, but I want us to put some things in context. So the, the Greek culture of that day, the philosophers and uh, the mighty thinkers that they had, the Greek culture of that day prized knowledge for knowledge's sake. Now to contrast that a little bit, in our American culture, I would say we prize knowledge for, uh, for practical sake, for useful sake. How many times have you been in a conversation with someone where you're like, okay, get to the point? Or you, you got an email and you're kind of filtering it, is this gonna be helpful for me today? If not, you know, is there something in here that's gonna make my life better, um, that's gonna help me through the day, that's gonna help me with work? So you have the Greek culture that prized knowledge for knowledge's sake, our culture that prizes knowledge for usefulness, but the Hebrew culture, those that Jesus lived among and was speaking to, they saw knowledge as a path to awe and wonder. Their idea of growing in knowledge was not to puff up. It was not to figure out, okay, how can I leverage this information to make my life better? The knowledge had really served its purpose when they were just slack-jawed with wonder. Wow, this is what God has done. Um, and we can kind of see this, you can think about relationships that, that you've been in. Um, there might be some people in your life that you know quite a bit about, you have knowledge of them. Um, maybe you know um, what they've accomplished, what they like, what they don't like. Um, in my marriage with Beth, I can tell you some facts about Beth, some things that I've, that I've learned about her. Um, but I can also kind of tell you some things that would be useful for you to know about her. Um, her abilities, her gifts, her skills, her talents, and her motivations. Um, now, if you were to say, what do you love about knowing Beth? Um, you can understand how bad it would be if I said, well, the better I know her, the better I can leverage her gifts for, for my betterment. You know, the more I could kind of, kind of rally all of that so that my life is better. Obviously, that would not be a, a good thing. Um, but what if my knowledge of her led to me just kind of going, wow, just stepping back and saying, man, this girl is amazing. Isn't that the relationship that we want? Even in friendships, we want something that just kind of leaves us with this, um, just the transcendent of a relationship where we realize, wow, there is something big going on here. When we climb a tree, for instance, if we're gonna read a gospel account of the life of Jesus, what if we read it and our primary response was, dang, man, that's amazing how he did that. Or what if we go through the Psalms and we allow those to be prayers that we breathe and our primary response is just, thank you. What if we go out like we're, going to, uh, like we're going to do next week, and I'm sure many of you do on a regular basis anyway, what if we immerse ourselves in creation so much that really the ultimate is that we are worshiping the Creator? We are just like, oh my goodness. Amazing. I can climb a tree and I'm reminded of what life could look like. And in those moments, instead of trying to figure out all the details what if i just said that life looks amazing i'm willing to sell everything i have for that i believe these are the encounters that god wants to invite us into 
not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, not just something that we can use as a tool throughout the week, although I believe that it is incredibly practical. This ancient text is one that we can go to and find that it is very relevant for us today. But I believe that the ultimate goal is just for us to say, wow. And when we offer ourselves as a tree for others, and I'll talk about that more in just a minute, but when we offer ourselves as a tree for others, what we want them to do is not to be wowed with us as the tree. We want them to be wowed with Jesus who calls them by name, who wants to enter into their life and lead them. And it kind of keeps us humble, doesn't it? Um, when we think of these grandiose plans, this is how I'm going to usher God's kingdom into this earth. And we have these grandiose plans, but we realize really it is all about leaving people with this reverential awe of God. And just his, uh, how amazing he is. Um, when we climb a tree, I, I want to encourage you to, to realize that scripture needs to be central um, as we do those things, as we seek to know him. This is, um, the scriptures reveal who Jesus is. All throughout the scriptures, it points to Jesus as the Messiah, as the lamb that was sacrificed on our behalf. It points to Jesus who, who modeled for us how to live in the day-to-day. So it doesn't necessarily mean that as you go through, uh, go for a walk in the woods, that you have to constantly be quoting scripture or anything like that. But I do believe that it is our sole authority for truth, and we will keep coming back to that. So I want to encourage you to read your Bible, and as you climb into a tree for a fresh glimpse of Jesus, um, I, I, I hope that you begin to encounter God in a really life changing way through the reading of scripture. And so I don't know how many of you received one. I didn't catch a whole lot of you when you came in. Um, but uh, I want to make sure you'll need this for later on in this service and also for the week. So maybe start taking them and passing them around. How's that? There might be some in the back as well. If somebody wants to grab those and start passing them from the back. Um, Last week, the card was uh, mentioned Psalm 1, and there were three verses that you could kind of enter into and uh, had a tree theme. This one also has a tree theme. It's from Psalm 92, and it has some reflection questions there. Um, But it's a way for you, uh, I hope, that this just helps uh, the scriptures come alive for you a little bit more. And as Rebecca said, we are going to go for a walk in the woods next week. Uh, This will be a couple of things for you to be aware of. One, either wear or bring some comfortable shoes to church that day. I love that we're kind of a church where you can most of you are like, yeah, I, I always wear comfortable <laughs> shoes to this church. Um, uh, maybe you want to bring a bottle of water and a snack. Um, we'll have to, uh, Bruce is the one that has helped uh, locate this. Baltimore Canyon. Is that Larkspur? Where? where? Larkspur. Larkspur, yeah. Um, parking there is going to be really tight, so it would be good if we caravaned. Or uh, if you really want to hike, then you can just park your car here and walk from from here. Um, But we'll need to do that. Um, Another option that I'm thinking might be good is we don't have to all start at the same time. So if when the service is done, maybe some of you will want to go get something to eat. Others of you might want to drive straight there. Um, Myself and a handful of others will be there to greet you. uh, Make sure you're actually walking on this path. It's just under eight tenths of a mile total round trip. And it's pretty level terrain. 
Um, so uh, it'll be uh, just an opportunity. Again, I, I think that um, when I walked this the other day, uh, it just, I don't, I don't see how you can walk among redwoods and not be just a little bit awestruck. It really has a way of putting some things in perspective. Um, so I hope that that's, uh, that's what we, we can experience that. And there's something else that I think is, is interesting in this passage. Um, in Luke 19, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I wonder what it was like for Zacchaeus, not when he saw Jesus, but when he saw Jesus seeing him. What was it like for Zacchaeus when he realized that Jesus was looking back at him? Because I think there's something, have you ever locked eyes with somebody and you're like, oh. <laughs> um, so it was uh, October 22nd, 1999. It was, uh, ended up being the first day that I spoke with a young lady who would become my wife. And we were in a really crowded place, probably a hundred or so single young professionals. All of us, um, well, single young professionals, guess why we were there? It was a part of Bible study fellowship. And yeah, we were really there for the Bible study, I'm sure. And, uh, um, but what I remember, uh, one, of the, one of many things that I remember from that day is, um, I don't know, make it, we need like some music score right here. But um, here I am on one side and a sea of people, but there was one person that caught my eye. And I remember looking at Beth, seeing Beth and going, hmm, all right, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, I still remember the striped sweater that you were wearing and jeans with the, the white top. Um, and uh, the thing that really caught my attention, though, was not that I was looking at you, but you looked back at me and we just kind of locked eyes. And it was that split second of, OK, do I look look away <laughs> so I don't look too creepy or is this or is there something there, you know? And I found my feet shuffling her direction after our eyes locked on each other. And I wonder what it was like for Zacchaeus. Yeah, I really want to see Jesus. And all of a sudden he sees Jesus looking at him. And what was that like? There are some really powerful moments that can take place when we open ourselves up to, to be in God's presence, when we are intentionally looking for some type of a God encounter. And I said this already, but the, this big God takes time to notice us. I want you to experience looking at Jesus who is looking at you. I want you to find out what it is like to have a God that big notice you and want to spend time with you. So I, I hope and pray that as we are walking um, that trail in Baltimore Canyon, that you will see Jesus and that you will see Jesus looking back at you, that there will be something in that moment where you realize he is aware of your presence. So climbing a tree, there are so many ways that we can encounter him in a fresh way and then be a tree. So what does this look like? Um, to be a tree, what I'm talking about is extending accessible branches to others so that they can see Jesus in this new way of life that, that you have seen. Uh, could be through your words, through your actions. Um, your entire life becomes a tree from which others have an opportunity to see Jesus. Maybe they've not read the Bible. Um, maybe they're not familiar with Jesus, but they see in you, see through you, a new way of living. 
And it makes them think, I'd, I'd like to know just a little bit more about that. Um, we are saved to be a blessing. Can we agree on that? We are saved. God has done this work in us, and it doesn't end there. This has taken place in us so that we can go out and be a blessing to others. Um, salvation, as Jesus taught it, was never a say this prayer so that you can someday go from this earth to heaven. It never was meant to just be condensed to something like that. That's a very truncated gospel. What Jesus spent far more time teaching is that salvation is the way that God brings heaven to earth through us. Let me say that again. Salvation is the way that God brings heaven to earth through us. He saves us so that we can be a blessing, so that we can begin to live our lives in a way that other people understand that there is a new way of looking at this world, a new way of walking through this world. Um, we see even in Zacchaeus's life that there were some instant changes. Um, he said, if, if I have defrauded someone, then I want to pay him back. If I've cheated someone, I want to live generously and give back to them. There was instantly this spirit of generosity, which is from the kingdom of heaven, that was making its way back into this world through Zacchaeus, just in those early moments. So I want to draw your attention to something on this, um, to this tree, this branch right here, this one right here. Of all the images that we looked at and could have used, um, I would not have, I, I, I like the shape of this tree. There's a lot of things I like about it. Um, but if it did not have this, I wouldn't have used this for an example for what I'm talking about for this series. It's, I want to draw your attention to that low slung accessible branch. And I want us to think about um, how do we extend an accessible branch to others? Why does it need to be accessible in that way? So some examples of this, um, when we extend accessible branches, uh, we do so based upon proximity. We do this based upon proximity. Um, in other words, we draw close to people who do not see God's thumbprint on this world. The lower branches of the tree represent close proximity. In other words, we are a localized presence. We are a localized presence. The best place for you to live out your Christian life is right where you are right where you are. Um, it is from your locale that you invite people into your tree in the hopes that they too will have a change of perspective. So um, when we think of offering uh, a, a look, when we say, hey, I want you to see what I see, it begins locally, just right there where you are. The second thing is we meet people where they are. It's not just where we are, but where they are. And, and maybe we can think of this um, not just as an individual, but as a church. Consider this, as a church, Bay Marin, um, it is our desire to extend an accessible branch that says we accept you as you are and you belong here. We accept you as you are, you belong here. Um, if you've ever been to um, a church that, that said you gotta jump through these hoops if you're gonna belong here, then you kind of know some of the tension that I'm talking about here, but it's, it's almost like um, we'll accept you if you can reach this really top branch. Um, it, there's a reason I didn't use a redwood for this example, because a mature redwood, the lowest branches are what, 50, 75 feet off the ground? 
not real accessible, okay? I don't know how tall you are, what kind of vertical you have. Good luck, all right? But a sycamore is known for branches that extend way out. In fact, it's possible that they reach out farther than the tree is tall. And so when we meet people where, we are, where they are, it is a way that, that we are saying, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. And we grow in the direction of those people that we want them to, to feel like this is where they belong. And then the third one is witness and withness. So I'm kind of making up a, a word with this. But this low-slung uh, branch right there is our reminder that actions will speak louder than words oftentimes. Um, yes, we witness by proclaiming with our mouth, and yet we are willing to incarnate in the way that Jesus did. In other words, we don't hover religiously over people with the words that we say. We live among them. I love how Paul said this in 1 Thess uh, Thessalonians 2. He says to this church, these people in Thessalonica that he had been ministering to, we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And he is saying, I want to be a witness to the gospel. I've used words to describe to you the good news of Jesus Christ, but I love you and I care for you and I've given my life to be with you. So he was a witness and he was a witness. I would love for us to be known as a witnessing, witnessing church. However you want to try and don't say that too, too fast. I wouldn't be able to. I can't say it slow. Um, but rather than raising our voices and thinking about how we could yell louder throughout Moran, I want us to be a church who bends our knee, we stoop, we serve, and when someone is going through a valley, we walk with them. We witness them. When we see people suffering and injustice, we enter into the fight with them, or in some ways we offer our lives on their behalf. We do life with people. We're in, in there together. Um, a few weeks ago, we had several different uh, faith community leaders coming up here. And what you are doing in that faith community, you are being a witness, whether you're leading the group or uh, just a part of it. You are choosing to do life with one another. And I hear the stories. I know what it's like when one of you is hurting, the rest of the, your group feels it and they walk with you in that. We are called to be a witness, um, not just a witness. So um, on the card, does everybody have one or got one close to you? All right, on the one side, it's got all that print uh, for Psalm 92. And I want to direct your attention to the flip side of that. And just due to the tall nature of the way this was, this was printed out, um, it's a really tall tree that has higher branches, but go with it, okay? <laughs> all right. Um, I need you to, you'll need to grab a pen or something to write with. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as we walk through this together. And um, describe how, uh, well, we'll do this together. Okay, the roots, the bottom of the tree, the roots, you knew that, right? You may not be um, all that great with trees, but you know, roots are at the bottom. Um, I want to have you, um, we're going to kind of look at this tree in three different sections. And in those three sections, um, I'm going to have you write some names 
First of all, the roots. I want you to think, who are the people, who are the people that first introduced you to Christ? Who are the people that first opened your eyes to, to Jesus and this new way of living? Maybe this is someone who led you to Christ. Um, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, well, I'm, I've not crossed that line of faith, but I can think of some people who have, who have shown a Jesus-like life. I just want you to write those, that name or names down. Who are people that played that significant role in your life? Helping you see Jesus. Just to help you think through a few more. These could be people um, that were there listening as you were asking some really tough questions and you wrestled with faith. Um, the names of some key people. All right, now the trunk of the tree. I want you to write on or around the trunk of the tree the names of people who helped you grow, who strengthened you, who stabilized you during life's storms. It could be a mentor, the person who discipled you, uh, just a person that God used to encourage maturity and transformation in you, um, people that took you under their wing, really did life with you. These are the people that you kind of go, wow, I, I just, I, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for these people. All right, before we get to the branches, um, if you feel comfortable, tell me, who were some of the roots in your life? Who? Mother. Your mom, yes. That, was, that made my tree as well. Yeah. Others of you, who were some roots? Yes. Mother. Yeah. My mother. Your mother? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you have the same mom? I don't know. Is that, does that, uh, <laughs> she did a good work. Yes. In the back? Oh, sorry. I'm Karen's mom, her Maria, Okay. So doing double duty. Awesome. That's very cool. All right. Who else? Yeah. Coworkers. Coworkers. All right. Yeah. Yes. Dad. Awesome. Awesome. Way to go. Good job, Jim. Anybody else? Yeah. Missionaries. missionaries from the United States. Okay. Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. All right. How about the trunk of the tree? Who are some people that have been just a stabilizing force that have, um, because uh, God put them in your life, you're stronger as a result of it. Um, they are the people that kept pulling you back breathing life into you uh, regardless of what you were going through who are some of those who are the who are those people tim Dr. David <laughs> awesome yes suzanne okay housemates roommates yep friends yeah bay marin awesome thanks dan Youth leaders, yeah, they were really key in my life as well. Yeah, I still keep in touch via Facebook with some of my like Sunday school teachers and stuff. It's kind of kind of cool. Their work is still ongoing. Yeah. All right, now let's get to that top part of the tree. Here's what I'd like for you to write down in the top part of the tree: the branches. I want you to write the names of people that you want to extend an accessible branch to. Who are the people 
that you want to introduce to Jesus, that you want to help them grow, mature? Who are the people that you want them to taste of this new life in Christ? Um, in other words, who are the people, and I want you to write names there, um, as opposed to neighbor or coworker. I want you to write specific names. Give you a moment for that. And those names that you're writing, how cool would it be if in the not too distant future, they're writing your name on the roots of their tree? Or they're writing your name on the trunk of their tree? Because you, Lord helping you, extended an accessible branch meeting people where they are. Maybe it's somebody that's already a localized presence or in proximity to you. These are people that more than just giving um, a word to, you want to be a witness to them. Who are some people in particular that you can be uh, extending an accessible branch? And then I'd, I'd encourage you to hold on to that. Um, this could kind of be a, like a little prayer guide for you. You can kind of work your way from the bottom of the tree up and just begins with words of gratitude. Thank you, God, for these people. And then you can begin to pray by name for those people in those branches. And maybe we'll even phrase it this way. Who is your one? Of all those people that you wrote in the branches, who is your one? Who is that one person that you would love to bring to Bay Marin on a Sunday? Um, to bring on a hike? Uh, who is that one that you would like to invite into your home or in to hang out with your faith community? Who is that one that you want to be really intentional in the way that you open your life up to them, the way that you intentionally are extending um, an accessible branch that just says, hey, I'm inviting you. Would you join me and whoever your, especially your one is, and begin to pray for them. I think what you'll find is the more you pray for them, God's going to give you an even deeper burden for them. Uh, maybe before God does a work in them, He does a work in you as the one who is doing the praying. That's what I've seemed to find out, find out the most. Um, so hold on to that. Obviously, on, on the other side is, uh, is a way for you to climb a tree and connect with God this week through Psalm 92. Um, but this is also a reminder for you to extend an accessible branch to the people in your life. Um, I'm going to transition into communion. Um, worship team can make their way up. Um, I mentioned last week that there was a tree in our backyard when I was growing up as a kid that Roger, my uh, little bit older friend of mine, loved to climb, but I was uh, kind of scared of heights. So I, I did climb it, but I was, I was always nervous. That same tree is one that we used for tag. When we played tag, that was, that was home base. And quite a while back, I just kind of had this picture of what it could be like and, and a new way of applying it. And I, I jotted a few thoughts down. There wasn't a game I played more often as a kid than a good old fashioned game of tag. Of course, nobody ever wants to be it in tag. Um, you just want to run from whoever is it. Uh, it's an exhilarating, though exhausting, feeling having someone on your heels in hot pursuit. 
And that's why there was always that one tree, you know, home base. Everyone eventually ended up there when they grew tired and felt as though they could run no longer. And there was always a similar conversation that would take place at the tree. And it would go something like this. Um, uh, the, the person who was it would say, I tagged you. And I would say, no, I was on base. And they say, but I tagged you. And oh, it doesn't count because I was on the tree and I'm safe. And so whoever it was would have to continue uh, to find somebody else. So here's thoughts of application for this. How about us? Have we been on the run, busy, always on the go? Has our running captured the attention of the enemy? He has been it since the garden. Let's make this our prayer, that we would run to quiet places, that we would breathe a sigh of relief, safe. And then we stay there for a while, we rest, we catch our breath, and we prepare to run again. But we always stay close to the tree because he hung on it so we could run to it. We stay close to the tree we stay close to the cross because that is where we find safety. For me, communion is just one of those times in a service. It's that time in the week where I can go, oh, okay, because of what Jesus has done, I'm safe. The chaos all around me, the unknowns ahead of me, it's a tree that we want to stay close to, that we reach out to because there, we find safety. So with your heads bowed, um, I want you to um, begin to prepare yourself to receive communion. Um, we're not gonna run to the tree. We're gonna walk down to a table in just a moment, but that walk that you make towards this table, um, may this be one that you realize this is your journey to a safe place. Father, we thank you we thank you that your son was willing to hang on a tree so that we could find safety and peace in this troubled world. Lord, it's already been expressed in this time together uh, that some of us walked in here pretty scattered, kind of frayed at the ends. But I thank you for this tree. I thank you for your tree, Jesus, and what that means for us. May we hold the bread and dip it into the cup with a deep sense of peace and rest this morning. In your name I pray, amen.